2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Press This WordPress Community Podcast on Webmaster Radio. This is your host, David Vogelpohl, and I support the WordPress community through my role at WP Engine, and I love to bring the best of the community to you here every week on Press This. As always, you can subscribe on iTunes or iHeartRadio or download the latest episodes at webmasterradio.fm. Look for Press This in the left-hand menu. In this episode, we're covering a topic that's near and dear to my heart – Uh, code quality with WordPress and a matter of fact uh, kind of a a bit of a pun here the tide is turning with code quality in WordPress and it's due uh, in thanks to two gentlemen that are going to be joining us here for today's episode from XWP I'd like to welcome to the show Jonathan Wold and Derek Herman. Derek and Jonathan welcome to the show.
3: Thank you. Thanks good to be here.
2: Good, good, good. Glad to have you guys. And, uh, you know, Jonathan, I know I, I know you well. Derek, I don't think we've had the chance to hang out very much. Uh, so I'm looking forward to the opportunity to get you know you better here on the show today. Um, yeah, also joining us is often host of Press This, Mr. Anthony Burchell of WP Engine. Anthony, welcome uh, back to the show. Hello, hello. All right, and uh, Jonathan and Derek, you may remember, Anthony, from uh, his exploration of the Tide project and all the different things we've looked at in terms of using Tide, uh, the work we do at WP Engine. I really wanted to take this episode here today to educate the listeners on kind of what you guys have going on with Tide and what are the impacts to um, the kind of notion of code quality in the WordPress world. So I ask this guest uh, question of every guest on the show, and uh, since there's two of you, maybe we get some short answers to this one, but uh, what is your WordPress origin story? How did you guys, let me start with you, Jonathan, how did you, how did you get started in WordPress? How did you first become exposed to WordPress?
3: Yeah, thanks. So um, 2005 is when it all began for me. I'd been building websites for a few years prior. Um, always you know, always felt a little bit like it was above my head, like learning new things, which I loved. Then a client asked me for a blog, and I was like, okay, well, that's a little bit above what I know how to do here. Um, and then I discovered WordPress. Uh, I was still kind of very new to it. I had a lot of questions. I turned to the .org support forums, and got fantastic answers, and um, it, was, it, w- it was successful. And then at the end of that experience, I said uh, decided that I would write about the process. I published a tutorial on like, how I did the integration. Um, about a year later, people started finding the tutorial and said, hey, this guy wrote a tutorial, maybe he can help us out here, and that kind of kicked off my freelance career. And uh, it's now several startups and agencies later, and uh, never never stopped since.
2: That's a great story. You know, it's funny. I think you're the first guest to ever say that building the blog was the complicated piece that I needed to figure out. <laughs> how to do. It's usually the opposite, like I've been building these simple things and I had to build something more complex or something. Um, that's funny. You're that kind of reverse. What about you, Derek? When, what was your WordPress origin story? Um, yeah, so I
4: started as a print designer back in 2005 through uh, around 2008 and I was building, I guess, a handful of websites using Flash back at the time, Uh, Joomla and Cake and CodeIgniter, stuff like that, and then got into WordPress. So around 2008, uh, one of my contacts reached out and asked if I could do a PSD to HTML conversion for a client, ended up being Carlos Tade, the uh, CEO of Envato. He liked what I did, asked me to do a PSD to WordPress conversion for PSD Tuts, Uh, worked there until 2014. and basically built all the Tuts Plus sites,
2: and that's how I started. That's cool. Very popular sites, too. That must have been some fun projects to work on. Yeah. It was a cool. challenging time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Also, both of you came in before custom post types, so that must have been an adventure. I remember. Uh, sites <laughs> for that capability. So um, both of you work at XWP now um, and I know you guys do a lot. You work with Google, a bunch of big brands, build all kinds of crazy stuff. What's the TLDR on XWP? Like well, what exactly is is kind of the mission of XWP?
3: Yeah, great question. So the the way I put it simplest is that we help companies with high impact web technology succeed in the WordPress ecosystem. Our bread and butter is engineering work, some product design, ecosystem consulting, and. At the end of the day, like we believe that WordPress, when you invest in it in the right way, is the best, best channel for growth for companies that offer high-impact web technology. So that's what we put our focus on.
2: That's cool. I know you guys have worked on some really interesting projects around AMP and things like that. But in today's show, um, we're going to talk about Tide. And uh, this was a, a bit of a complex project uh, for you guys and with a lot of different kind of va- variables and, and vectors. Um, but what is TIDE? Like I, t- I talked about it in the context of code quality, but could you explain it to the audience? So they know exactly what TIDE is.
4: Yeah, I, I can take this. Um, so, so TIDE is a, a tool that makes it easy to automate code quality checks. Uh, in more detail, it's like TIDE is a, a microservices application. It's written mainly in Go and PHP. It's uh, capable of generating WordPress coding standards reports using PHPCS and Google Lighthouse reports. Uh, those reports are then stored in a public API. Um, they're consumed by users, third-party party tools. It's um, it's a cloud-based infrastructure. It's built specifically for Google Cloud, relies heavily on Docker and uh, GNU Make to automate and deploy the stack. Uh, the best part about Tide, though, is it's very extensible. We can add new types of servers to do, for example, like ES linting or really any type of validation tool that generates a JSON output that can be interpreted stored and then ultimately sent back to the API.
2: So for those that might not be a developer and listening to the show, the TLDR might be that it's essentially a micro a code quality microservice. You can run your code through it, yep. make sure that it passes WordPress coding standards and have some assurances uh that the code you're checking is of high quality.
3: Exactly. Yep. David, one thing one thing that I would add just quickly yeah, yeah. like speaking to like the non more the non-technical it may be helpful to understand the motivations and I, the simple part of it is when we thought about the problem of code quality across the ecosystem we, we've been involved in the WordPress coding standards for a few years now and helping with some of the maintenance of it we, the question was, what can we do to lower the barrier of entry for good code quality while staying true to what makes WordPress has been, made it so successful, which is the accessibility and extensibility of it. And that's what Tide sort of came out of to say, if we can make it easier for people to get access to getting that code quality feedback and know what to do with it, then um, then we can help lower that barrier across the board. And that's kind of where Tide came out of.
2: Yeah, and I, I personally know that barrier well, Anthony. Here, uh, you you do some of this checks for some of our partners and their plugins in the ecosystem, and I just just spitballing, Anthony. How long does it manually take you to set up all the linting checks and everything? Just just even like do one check.
5: Yeah, so for like if I'm checking against maybe one plugin or one code base, I'm, I'm it takes me about an hour to just parse through the results and kind of run the tests and, and make sure that I've got everything configured. And yeah, it's a long
2: process. That's a very bullish estimate, Anthony. I'm taking. I'm guessing it probably takes you longer than that. But uh, yeah. obviously, it's uh, it's it's a big deal to check it, and it takes time. And so that's one of the things TIDE helps uh, resolve. Now I'm a you a bit of a curveball here, Derek. I didn't plan on this question. But mm-hmm. You mentioned the lighthouse as part of TIDE. Uh, what is the role of Lighthouse in the Tide microservice?
4: Um, right now, the way that Lighthouse is set up is we're just automating like checks against the .org repo. So the themes that are stored on .org have an endpoint. I can't remember the actual endpoint, I think it's like com. I, I can't remember. But we essentially just auto um, check those themes and check their, their scores. Uh, their okay. performance scores, their accessibility scores. So we're just automating that process as kind of part of the checks. It's just an additional check to
3: add some more metrics. Basically, Lighthouse is a perfect example of an of an extension of Tide. Right. Yeah. Like um, where it's like, oh, here's this other thing that focuses on a particular thing, um, more of the the front end, the performance, accessibility side, um, exactly. and especially around themes. And so it was a great proof of concept to say, all right, let's let's just add that as another thing that it can check.
2: Yeah, performance is a big deal, because you could, I guess, pass all the linting tests and still have a very unperformant page.
4: That's yeah. very true.
2: Right, exactly. So, so then, you know, Tide was made in a kind of a, Tide has a role in WordPress Core, and it's not part of WordPress Core itself, but maybe you could help explain it is. To people uh, uh, what the role of Tide is in Core.
3: Yeah, so I think, I mean, the official classification, Derek, correct me if I'm wrong, it's, it's, a, it's a core component. Right Like, um, yes, it's it's an official core project. Um, I mean, at the highest level, there's a lot of questions that we had early on, like, well, you know why don't you just make this a product, et cetera. And our belief is that the greatest impact for a project like Tide is to be part of the core project. Um, right now, understandably, a lot of the focus in general is on Gutenberg and some of these more like surface level things that are happening in WordPress um, but but yeah, ever since the announcement of wordcamp us uh, we've we've done a lot of the efforts ourselves at XwP, but we've been very happy to see a growing level of community interest and support and contribution and we're looking forward to seeing a lot more of that. but um, yeah it's it's a basis to inform what will eventually become the surfacing of the tide results in the in the plugins and themes directories
2: so it's part of the core project and yes as a Microsoft Mm -hmm. service checking code quality like what does that mean like what are you checking in core what what how does tide play that role
4: Yeah, so it's not checking core currently it's only checking plugins and themes but all of the plugins and themes across the entire repo so um, when when tide's finally integrated it'll be able to automate the process of checking every single version of every single plugin and every single theme and every time uh, something's updated it will then check again and it'll continue to check until you know tide is no longer a thing which hopefully doesn't happen but it's it's just going to check and continue to you know check for security vulnerabilities um, potentially performance issues but it's just going to lint across the code base and then eventually, hopefully, bring scores back so that we can score stuff.
2: So, WordPress core, the software that makes WordPress, that goes through its own checks, right? There's people um, do commits, and people check each other's work and lint. And so, so core itself, of course, is checked. But Tides mm-hmm. in the core project is about checking all the stuff that's not checked in that way, like yes. the skins and themes in the org repo. So you're basically exactly. Helping to make sure that the WordPress board plugins and the WordPress org themes are following kind of basic security guidelines, basic linting guidelines, basic page speed relative to themes and light speed. Um, and so its role is really helping to improve the ecosystem of all that code that's not being really checked
3: hardly by anyone. Exactly. exactly. Right now, it's a manual process. I mean, there, there are there are tools, right? Like, there's different tools that people are able to use. Yeah, there's a theme a- check plug-in. Um, yeah. you know, the,
4: there's tools that, that the theme and plug-in review teams already use, but they're not
3: as highly automated as Tide would be. One of the other pieces of this is the nature of, like, from a security perspective, the moving target, right? Like, something might be discovered, and then let's, let's make it easier to find that and address it. Um, and then as best practices change, right? Um, you know, it, there's opportunity to go back and, and address things in older plugins, et cetera. And it's often not top of mind for anybody, but this can help surface that.
2: Yeah, I didn't mean. I guess right when I said that, I realized that of course there's teams that vet the plugins and themes in org, and of course yep. they do their own processes. So Tide is really just about strengthening that, and then also giving, it. I'm guessing, kind of this ongoing audit, rather than just kind of when they first come in.
3: Exactly, and, and we're volunteers all, right? Like everyone, there's so many, they put their own time into this, and as WordPress increases in its popularity, we'd only, we only expect the, the importance of addressing some of these problems to increase. Um, there's limited man hours to check things and a lot of demand so automation seems like a, a great, there's some great opportunity to automate the best practices
2: I agree with that so I think it was like in the last two months um, clout shut down and I, I don't have my cloud score anymore, so I don't know how to, to 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 uh measure myself or value myself. So I'm looking for the scores. <laughs> and I know tide had scores and now they're gone. How how what was with the tide thing, what was the tide score? Was it why was it introduced earlier? Why was it taken out? Are you gonna bring it back? Like what's with the tide score? Is that is that a viable thing? What's what's going on there? Yeah,
4: yeah. so we're we're definitely bringing scores back. That's on the roadmap. Um, the original tide score was a bit rough around the edges. For numerous reasons. Uh, most importantly, because we haven't settled on which standard we should be using for plugins and themes. So before we score a project, and, you know, we need to get the community to agree on what the rules should be for each type. Uh, for that reason, scores were removed in the latest iteration. They'll definitely be coming back once we've landed on what the correct standards are.
2: Okay, so that makes sense. Yeah, scores are a difficult thing, right? Because they're all relative.
4: Yeah, so we it's... created a, an algorithm to score. Uh, plugins and themes. The The problem is is like if, if you don't have a standard that we're all agreed on, that score's kind of <laughs> <a> be <bit relevant.
2: laughs> I, Yeah, I know this issue well with our PHP compatibility plugin and all the nuances around what's positive or negative. Yep. Uh, very, very uh, cute. So I mean, what we're going to do, this is super interesting stuff. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to kind of dig a little bit deeper into Tide and talk a little bit more about its role, but also about um, how you guys think about the future of it. So everybody hang tight, and we'll be right back.
1: Time to plug into a commercial break. Stay tuned
6: for more Press This in just a moment. Content Marketing World 2018 comes to Cleveland, Ohio, September 4th through the 7th. Learn more at contentmarketingworld.com. Content Marketing World 2018 is the one event where you will learn and network with the best and brightest in the content marketing industry. Content Marketing World will have over 120 sessions and workshops presented by the leading brand marketers and experts from around the world, covering strategy, storytelling, ROI, demand generation, AI, and more. Leave Cleveland with all the materials you need to build a content marketing plan that will grow your business and inspire your audience. Save $100 off of registration using promo code RADIO100. That's radio and the number 100. Don't miss Content Marketing World 2018 in Cleveland, Ohio, September 4th through the 7th. Register now at contentmarketingworld.com. Thanks to an exclusive private offer available for a very limited number of companies. But you must act fast. Email brasco at wmr.fm and get your message delivered now. Let's press forward with
1: more Press This only on webmasterradio.fm. Hello, everybody.
2: Welcome back to the Press This WordPress Community Podcast on Webmaster Radio. This is your host David Vogelpohl, and we are interviewing XWP's Jonathan Wold and Derek Herman about Tide, a code quality checking microservice that's doing all kinds of cool stuff in WordPress core. And really, want to want to focus on for the next set of the segment of the uh, interview is thinking about uh, the future of Tide and you know how people might use it. Uh, relative to core and beyond. So, um, when the Tide score is reintroduced, earlier you talked about, well, if we can kind of settle on the standards of what's good and what's bad, but, but when you do reintroduce it, um, is it possible that a plugin could have a perfect Tide score or even the, the way you scored it in the past? Like, is it? I've never seen any check be perfect. Is it possible to have a perfect score with Tide?
4: Uh, absolutely. So uh, a perfect Tide score would be a plugin or a theme that follows a specific standard. So uh, one which the community, obviously, we've agreed on is the correct and most relevant standard. Um, but currently, we're using the WordPress base standard. It's not ideal for plugins and themes. It's uh, more geared towards core. It would be better if we had a you know rule set that's created for custom, uh, just custom just for this type of themes and plugins. But um, yeah, we had a lot of discussion around in Core and at uh, WordCamp Europe uh, around creating this specific type of of uh, standard. But yeah, once once uh, we have a specific theme and plugin standard, bringing scores back, you can get a perfect score just by not having any CS violations in your code. Um,
3: so something I would just want to add to this is, while agreeing with everything that Dirk said, there I think it's also important to keep in mind. Like, you know, the con- at least for me, the concept of a score is more representative than like, like, because that, that can evoke a very specific, like, oh, it's gonna be a number or a rating or stars, et cetera. And I think there's a lot of different ways we can approach this. And we might, at the end of the day, as a community, decide that there's even more that factors into this than just the code quality itself. So I, I think we have an excellent starting point and a core hypothesis here, but the part of the point is, you know, this is why it's a community project. Uh, we've heard a lot of really good feedback, like Derek mentioned at WordCamp Europe that's given us other thoughts and ideas, and um, ultimately, though, it's the, it's the idea that a score represents, of how do we give users an easy way of, of deciding and kind of filtering through all the noise.
2: So will these scores, or whatever it ends up being, if, uh, will that be surfaced in org, like on a plugins listing, or is this like a behind-the-scenes, FYI, you need to fix some stuff type score?
4: So there's two schools of thought here. One is to um, you know, bring all of the violations and surface them for everyone to see. And then there's the other school, which is to just surface the violations, but not necessarily where they are, um, but more, more for the, the author to see. So for the author, there'd be a score for the general public, and uh, for the author, the plugin, or the theme, they'd actually see exactly where all the issues are, the violations, like line by line where in the code is the issue, what is the issue, so they can go fix it.
2: So the score presumably could be surfaced in something like WordPress org. Mm -hmm. So that's got me thinking like, and you talked about kind of some moving targets around security and performance testing standards and things like this. And I remember hearing a story at a conference, and this guy had optimized all of his client sites to have Perfect Google PageSpeed scores, and then Google changed the the way they calculated <laughs> this. They had to go back and undo them all. Jonathan, I think you're at the same event um, where where this person brought that up. Is that what's going to happen in the future with plugins? I'm going to go like bust my butt to have a perfect Tide score, and then you're going to change something, and I'm going to have to go redo everything all over again. Otherwise, I risk people not downloading my plug in org. So, no,
4: so it- go ahead, Derek. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, it's, it's not necessarily a moving target, but there is some level of that because the standards, it, they evolve. So uh, what, what might have got you a perfect score six months ago might not be what gets you a perfect score now just because uh, maybe we've introduced a new security check and that, that check you failed. Or there's a new version of PHP or
3: you know whatever yeah,
4: else like, gonna happen. Handful <laughs> of factors. It's not a moving target in the sense of like we're just gonna keep changing it, but it's things do evolve over time. So the standards have to be updated and continue to to change.
2: So in a sense, it's not that I have to because the score is bad, but rather I have to likely because I have to for security yeah. reasons or versioning reasons or something like that. Exactly. Yeah.
3: Okay. And this is some and so go ahead, Derek.
4: I was going to say we're we're toying with the idea of bringing um, the version in which uh, which coding standard you were tested against. So every time we do an audit, we would add the uh, the version of the coding standards that we audited the code against. Um, that way, that it could help to alleviate some of the confusion as new standards get uh, presented. That you know which standard it was it was used against. Like. Um, WordPress coding standards version 1.0 just came out. So it'd be nice to know if you were audited against you know 0.14 or 1.0, because there's some pretty big differences.
2: OK, so changing score is OK, because that means you're supposed to be keeping up with stuff, and that makes sense.
5: Mm-hmm.
2: So if I have a low score, and again, I know you haven't really settled on what a score is, and what informs it, and how it's weighted, and things like that. But but generally, I suppose, if I gotta a, air quote this, a low tide score, again, <laughs> Does that mean it's not going to work? Like, is that a pretty good clue that that plugin's just not even going to function correctly?
4: Oh, absolutely not. So, uh, standards really don't indicate whether a code is functional, but whether the code is of good quality, so measured against a standard. Now, air quotes, bad code. If it has serious security concerns and performance issues, then it it could indicate that there's functional issues. Um, I've seen plugins, though, that are so terribly written that make your eyes want to bleed, but it still works you know the the code is 100% functional and terrible all at the same time so they're definitely not mutually exclusive so a plugin could have a really low score but still work perfectly fine
2: so that's good to good to hear right because you see those low scores you're like oh my goodness it's not going to work but it still might work and you might choose to use it or not based on that but
3: uh, really interesting to hear so part of, part of uh, the i think i think what's worth calling out here is that it's our hypothesis about it's a leading indicator Right mm-hmm. so you need some sort of ways like of, of like right now you have like the user reviews and the description, um, but if, if if the leading indicators like if you look and see like all right, it objectively has by standards at least very poor code quality, that suggests a few things to you. Maybe the author isn't aware of the standards, or they're certainly not following them, et cetera. So I think it's a it's a leading indicator, It doesn't tell you everything, but it's an important indicator, yeah.
2: So let me ask this question. We've talked about the role of Tide and Core, kind of its future role, its current role, some history. What do you think the the future is for Tide in general? Like, are people going to, people that aren't submitting plugins to org, would would they have uses for Tide? Like, what is the role outside of Core?
4: Um, Yeah, eventually I'd like to see Tide become a continuous integration tool, much like Travis CI, but for WordPress projects specifically. Uh, as well, there's also a use case, you know, where the API results are integrated into core. We have a UI built around them to help users make educated decisions about the quality of a, a plugin or a theme. Um, that's the more immediate need and something that we're working towards. So uh, actually being able to, in a sense, use it as a continuous integration tool in your workflow as a as a plugin theme uh, author. but. The ultimate goal, really, is is to have a CI that that can continually check it
2: before it ever gets to .org. And do you mean just .org, or do you also mean people might use it in their CI/CD flows for the projects and plugins they create, independent of .org?
4: Independent as well. Um, that's not on. Like that's not our immediate goal but the immediate goal is really to get some sort of workflow for the .org plugins and theme authors.
2: It's a big attack vector for sure. So I'm gonna switch now and ask Anthony here a question. Anthony, you know, you're a WordPress developer, hands on keyboard a lot of the time. Uh, how do you deal with linting in your normal workflows? I know you mentioned earlier that you do the code quality checks relative to tech, uh, plugin partners, the WP Engine deals with. But like, what do you? View, how do most people deal with this in their workflows from a WordPress developer perspective? Maybe not even just you, but like, are people not doing this at all? Like, do you do this, and am I calling you out now? And you're going to make me don't actually do all these things? <laughs>
5: you you technically are my boss. That is uh, true. Yeah. Uh, so
2: this answer will be really uh, really interesting.
5: So I don't do it often enough. Like it's not part of my workflow, and and I'm not really submitting a lot of my code to anywhere other than GitHub, and then that goes to the process of somebody else reading it. And uh, and I have I'm I'm very lucky that I work with a lot of smart people that will catch things. Um, but yeah, it would be nice to know if if, if my code quality is good because we were talking earlier about how how it, it can be messy but it still works. Like if it's got bubble gum on it and it still patches the hole, it's good, right? Um, and I find myself doing that too much, maybe.
2: <laughs> so it's, it's interesting because, you know, I think in the grand scheme of things, you're an advanced WordPress developer, and yet even in your flows, you're not really going to the level of linting that perhaps you could be. And I'm sure part of that is the fact that you're coming from a place of confidence, that you know those coding standards well, and you're doing this all the time. But obviously, if you're a novice at this, you're not doing any of these things, I would imagine, most of the time. Um, so I'm just curious, you know, I know you guys have a site set up for Tide, right, Jonathan?
3: Yep, wptide.org uh, documentation, and you can check out some of the examples.
2: So if I wanted to use Tide today, like, what are my options? Um, do I contact XWP? Do I just kind of wait around for the future state of Tide? Like, what are, what are my choices here?
3: Yeah, so I mean, there's a few pieces here. Like, what what lens are you coming through, or what what like how are you wearing? Because a lot of this conversation has been through the context of you know we have our like core hats on and what we're interested yeah. in the core project, um, so using Tide there is interesting for a lot of different reasons, and we want to we'd love to see people like coming into the Tide channel and the .org Slack and contributing, asking questions, et cetera, and for authors on .org, et cetera, looking for ways to integrate directly. And, and Anthony, I actually love your experience typifies a pretty common one, which is that, hey, a lot of us are aware of it, but it's not, it, it's not easy. Like the barrier of entry to like following the standards and getting that feedback, like there's quite a few hoops you have to jump through. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we'd love to see a lot more of is um, folks like yourself at WP Engine, other hosts, other people like doing infrastructure related stuff to take tide and figure out ways to make it available to your respective users. Um, that's one of the reasons why we've made it open source to begin with and contributed it to you know, the .org projects. we want other people to take it and make interesting things with it.
2: That's a great segue into my next set of questions. Uh, but what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to deep dive in to some of the ways you guys have contributed and the role of Tide in that. So if everybody hang tight, and we'll be right back
1: time to plug into a commercial break. Stay tuned for more Press This in just a moment.
6: Do you look at the task of ranking your site
3: at the top of the search engines like you would climbing the top of Mount Everest? It doesn't have to be. TopSEOs.com knows how hard that climb can be, and they can make top ranking a reality.
6: Are now tuned in to the world's largest online radio podcast network for internet marketers looking to dominate the B2B marketplace. WebmasterRadio.fm. WebmasterRadio.fm is home to some of the most respected authorities in all aspects of internet marketing.
0: Maria Retan, Larry Weber, it's Tim Ash, James and Arlene Martell,
3: Ross Dunn, John Carcutt, Shahab Zagari,
5: Peggy Ann Salt, Bennett Kelly, Jillian Music and Kennedy.
6: From SEO to affiliate marketing to social media, e commerce, mobile marketing, and so much more. Our hosts travel to all stretches of the world and speak to the impact players that are affecting our industry.
0: Please join me in welcoming Andrew Hayford.
6: Pleased to have Jim Lenzone. Please welcome Ariana Huffington. Please welcome Jason Kalkanis. On air, on demand, and available on every mobile device that you can imagine this is webmasterradio.fm webmasterradio.fm we're everywhere enterprise-level podcast into production at a very reasonable rate. Email brasco at wmr.fm.
1: Let's press forward with more Press This only on Webmaster webmasterradio.fm.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Press This, the WordPress community podcast on Webmaster Radio. This is your host, David Volapol, and we're talking about Tide, the code-quality microservice made by XWP. And its role in uh, WordPress core, and so uh, Jonathan and Derek, thank you again for joining us today. And so, you know, now kind of after the break, want to kind of really dig into a little bit. You mentioned uh, a minute ago, right before the break, that you know your focus with Tide primarily to date has been around its role in core and how yeah. can we help the broader community and um, you know what is the role we can play in up-leveling the quality of plugins and themes and all these other things. And I didn't hear anything about XWP in there, in the future of your business. Um, why, why would that be the the first move you did with Tide? Why not? You, you even asked this question earlier yourself, and I don't think you really answered it. But like, why is this the, the first thing you start with?
3: I mean, there's a lot of reasons. I mean, I'll like, it's not super complex for us. Like, we've all benefited from the open web, um, and when I look at the, I look at WordPress as like one of the best examples in my mind of a product of the open web. I mean, there's, it's, there's so much that kind of has come out of what's happened because of all the people who've chosen to invest in WordPress. And when I look at the future, um, I, that's what I want to see a lot more of across the ecosystem as a whole. It's like, how can we make it easy for others to invest in WordPress? It's good for all of us. Um, which is part of where the idea of of tide the name of it came from right like a rising tide lifts all boats and um yeah i just it just it's good for business um and to go ahead we
4: could have made a SaaS product out of it and it probably would have been successful but i think uh getting into the hands of the people who need it the most is probably more important
2: um you guys earlier when we first started said that one of XWP's specialties is helping technology providers kind of in a sense integrate with the WordPress ecosystem from like a product perspective. Yes. So it's almost like this notion of giving back helps support that business kind of and to your point to your point like rising the tide on code quality overall.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's an example of what we're capable of, right? Um, and ultimately, we recognize the need for a project like TIDE to exist, and, and it's important to call out too. I mean, it's it was so important to us from the beginning that this was a community project. Uh, we knew that just like anything, it's like it's a meritocracy. So you you know, if you want something done, you got to get in there and kind of get it done. And that's been really encouraging. About like WordCamp Europe, for instance, Derek uh, was part of the you know the TIDE. Uh, table there it was great to see people showing up and asking questions and looking for ways to get involved and submitting pull requests um, and then ultimately yeah it it aligns very much with our own positioning and the things that we want to accomplish which ultimately goes back to how can we, how can we make WordPress as a whole more attractive in the markets that it serves in which is good for all of us
2: I love that and definitely share that uh, mentality and approach. And I just wanted to say thank you guys for your leadership and, you know, kind of making this the first step forward for Tide. And uh, also thank you for joining the show today. Thanks for having us. Awesome. Well, great. if you'd like to learn more about Tide, you can visit make.wordpress.org forward slash Tide. And if you'd like to learn more about XWP, you can visit xwp.co. Thanks, everybody, for listening to Press This, the WordPress community podcast on Webmaster Radio. As always, you can subscribe on iTunes, iHeartRadio, or download the latest episodes at webmasterradio.fm. Again, this is your host, David Volopole, and I support the WordPress community through my role at WP Engine. And I love to bring the best of the community to you here every week on Press This.
6: The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors.